Welcome to Culture Conversations, a podcast that helps disciples make disciples in today's world. I'm Chris Moran, host of Culture Conversations, and today you'll be hearing from Stephen Brendel, who goes by the hip-hop alias Believe in Stephen. Steve shares his childhood story of growing up in a broken home, how he came to know Christ, and what led him to start writing and recording hip-hop music. We also get into some of the thinking and theology behind several of his songs and albums. I trust you'll be encouraged. Steven, in my phone, you're Steven the Bull, Brendel. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, man. Two, two, one, five to the four, one, two, back to the two, one, five, huh? Yeah. Well, well kind of, yeah, four, one, two, to the two, one, five, to the four, one, two, to those back two, one, to the five. two, one. Yeah, man, you're a journey, yeah. dude. Yeah, so we've been friends for some time, man, and uh, you grew up in my hometown of Pittsburgh, and you got the Pittsburgh Penguins shirt representing, you got the Steelers. This is all three. Yeah, man, that's the sports trinity of Pittsburgh right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I was hoping that for our listeners and our watchers here, our viewers, you would start by sharing your early life, man. Like you grew up in Pittsburgh. What was your home life like? Was there any Christian influence uh, what was it like in, in your home and hometown? Yeah, so I grew up in the Berg and the first uh, several years were in the suburbs until I was about eight years old. Uh, my mom and dad met um, at a Pentecostal church, um, got married there. And um, that's where I went for probably until I was about eight years old uh, and that was in the suburbs of the pittsburgh in, in pittsburgh like the south hills okay so for those who are watching or listening who are familiar with the area um, during that time we lived around um, bridgeville and then i lived in bethel park mount lebanon for a couple years we moved around a lot um and then i lived then we moved to uh the city when i was 10 around the squirrel hill area and Still moved a lot, a lot of different homes, but that was where I spent most of my years after that, between 10 and around 18. I went to uh, Alderdice High School. Uh, Many of you guys are probably familiar with that. Um, So that's kind of like area-wise, but I always tell people when growing up, I always lived in more houses than years I had been alive. So like when I was 18, we had lived in 18 different places by the time I was 18. So um, due to my parents' divorce when I was five. That's why I have to spit the Christ glory. Parents met at church. It was Pentecostal. The marriage was good. Then it went to hostile. Disputes and arguments led to court later. I was five years old. They signed divorce papers. Mom was loving me. She gained custody of me and my three bros playing busted these Three siblings chilling with my brothers. We watched Martin in living color. That? Joy, we chuckled in royal rumbles. It we was kind of like my dad would rent out a spot here. My mom would rent out a spot here and then want to move and try to get one of my brothers maybe into a better school or she thought this area would be better. We just ended up moving around uh, a decent amount. As far as Christian influence, uh, the church was actually pretty faulty. It was kind of... Um, it's pretty much like a cult. Um, yeah. So you said it was Pentecostal. Yeah. Yeah. The, basically what made it, what made it, um, uh, cultish was how if you were to leave, it wasn't like you just left their church and then it was okay. Yeah. You decide, I mean like, Hey, yeah, you, you decided to go to another church. All good. It was pretty much like you were disowned. Like hmm. if, um, there's there's examples of people who their uh, their son like or their daughter left the church and they don't talk to their son or daughter anymore. Whoa! So pr- pretty much like um, they're outcasted. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of my mom decided to leave, uh, and that caused a little bit of uh, some tension and and people. Um, pretty much outcasting her. And from there, it was uh, just th- that church, they, they did, they, it's happened to a lot of people where people have decided to leave 
like I have a cousin and, and his parents don't really talk to him much. Um, so in that regard, it's not just like you're leaving, uh, their church. They almost take it to like a Matthew 18 and like, it's like treat them like an unbeliever just because you left their church. It's almost like you're not elect or you're not a believer because you left their church. Yeah. So for instance, it's like, you know, I used to go to your Bible study in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, if I don't go there anymore and I moved to Philly, it's like, okay, well now I'm not a believer anymore, whereas I'm still going to a sound church. Um, So from there, um, my, my dad did instill some good Christian principles in us. Although he was very loyal to the the cult uh, type of church, he did instill some good Christian principles and values in myself and my brothers. Um, so he was big on making us have Bible time. But knew I'd see him. He always picked us up Tuesdays and weekends. He led Bible time. I had a little faith in God, but a little concern with my baseball cards. And playing ball with the football or wiffle. To read this Bible, it was called Picks. I don't know if, like, a lot of people, when I tell them about this, they don't know about it. But yeah, I've never heard of it. it it was like the Bible, but uh, it was like comic book. Hmm. So it was illustrations, and then you had like the bubble, and it would be Samson and being like, yeah, I'm going to kill these goals and <laughs> stuff like that. It was pretty rowdy. So like that's my that's how I learned certain Bible stories was through pics. Gotcha. Um, and I always admired like my dad's faith and how he would get up early and pray and how he would want to have Bible time hmm. with us. And I would, even with my mom, we would still go to church sometimes, but it wasn't instilled in us as much as a, as a mandatory thing. And um, the the church um, in the South Hills, it was very, very strict. Like, you can't watch Teenage Ninja Turtles. Uh, you can't listen to that type of music. Your hair can't be a certain length. You, mm. Like, I remember Tim, Tim got a lightning bolt, like, you know, <laughs> shaved into his head yeah. in second grade. And like, like he was he was like a thug oh like they were like man he's bad like he's sinful because he did that you know what i'm saying so there was a lot of i guess you would say legalism um, yeah it almost sounds like the fundamentalist baptist camp like you you know the women have to wear skirts and no pants and you know some of them are so rowdy you can't wear makeup but uh, certainly you can't engage with secular movies and music and right it's kind of like cultural distancing yeah yeah definitely so that's kind of where I, uh, where I, like, as far as uh, influence growing up, there was that. Was and there then a gospel going in, influence with your father? Or I would, was it more just yeah, biblical say, principles? Yeah, great question. I would say, like, I remember when I was like eight or nine, it was big on, like, hey, you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. He okay. did talk about that. Please, Jesus. As much talk about sin, cross, grace, justification. Now, at the time, I'm super young anyways, but um, I I think it was more of works-based rather than understanding grace and really understanding the gospel. But I think the intentions were were good. Okay. Uh, And part of that, I think I tell people a lot of times at that age, you don't really understand sin that well Mm. because like, what's the worst thing you did? It's like you, you didn't sit still during Bible time or you, you know, you, um, you took a cookie out of the cookie jar. Like at that age, maybe, maybe you punched your brother or something like that. But I think that's a, that's a great uh, segue into the next aspect of my life, which was when I um, was in high school at Alderdice. I, my first two years, like ninth and 10th grade, I actually was like kind of a loner and I felt like isolated because I wasn't smoking trees. I Mm. wasn't drinking. I wasn't binging all the time and cutting class. Like I was trying to be a good student and a good athlete, but the lifestyle there and what was popular was just the party lifestyle and smoking trees and all that um, and other drugs. So by the end, it was, I remember it was the end of my sophomore year. I gave in and I started wiling out mm. as far as drinking, 
gradually turned to, you know, a couple brews turned into a couple forties Yeah, turned into, I remember when the ball dropped at, um, Y2K. So it's crazy. Like 20 okay. years ago now All right. when, um, I, I had drank and smoked so much that night that I threw up at the new year's Eve party right before the ball dropped <laughs> and they wouldn't let me back in. Cause they're like, nah, man, you're, you're wasted. Like we don't want you puking <laughs> you anymore. <laughs> yeah. I missed it. Uh, which reminds me of a story. It's like, you missed it. You loser. It's a, that's a story. Um, a Pittsburgh story for you guys. When, um, they unveiled a, a statue at three river stadium. And I want to say it was Willie Stargell or Roberto Clemente. I can't remember which okay. one, but, my dad, he, he drove our, me and my brothers out there to, to go watch like the unveiling of the statue. Mm-hmm. And we were a little bit late. So as we were like pulling up and like we we're all looking out the window, a, a car drives by. And I guess we were too late. And he goes, you missed it, you losers. Oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you still get to get out and check it out and. Yeah, yeah, we did. But we just we missed like you know when they have it covered up. Yeah, yeah, the off. pulling off of the curtain. Oh, yeah, man, the big yeah, reveal. Yeah. That's shady. Exactly. So we missed it. Um, but yeah, that like in high school, man, it was just I, I missed the ball drop, and it was just giving in to the peer pressure. I think what it was most of all is like wanting to to have something to do Friday night, wanting to have something to do Saturday, night. and then it was my sin and my flesh, and I was promiscuous with women and. Um, just wildin' out. On the mic, I am hungry cause life is so ugly. I'm inspired by Christ cause he loves me. We're not righteous, similar to Sodom. Like Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. This is a problem, my hearts are so wicked. But we put on the front, it's hard to admit well, it. So we- yeah, well, yeah. Tim in particular, yes. Like, I, I remember distinctly him... And some other cats that used to be my friends, like I remember like when I was in ninth grade, he was in 11th grade. They wouldn't tell me where they were going because they were going to a party and they were about to wild out and drugs and whatever else. And I wanted to go real bad and I felt so left out. Okay. so, yeah, he 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 was definitely wiling out big time as far as um, graffiti, battle rap, um, smoking, drinking, other drugs and was he selling, selling deadly selling scribes drugs. at that point yeah yep that's okay. that's that's deadly scribes around around that time frame for sure and 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 we could talk on this in a little bit when we get to my testimony but seeing his transformation because like you look at you see him now and you're like oh yeah yeah he's like preaching and he's uh breaking down the hebrew and he got seven minute songs on, you know, water judgment and, <laughs> you know, comparing the old and new Testament. And right. Like I saw, and I think, I don't know if you knew him back. You might've known him just when he got saved, but like, I saw him when he was straight wilding, gotcha. like straight wilding. And so that was actually very powerful to see that transformation. It was almost like seeing someone like, uh, like Saul and he's persecuting Christians. And then, you know, Preaching he gets converted. Tried to destroy. Yeah, man. Okay, yeah. So your brother's yeah. around and you have a younger brother too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So at that point, my oldest brother, Luke, he was at Carnegie Mellon and not a believer, but like, it wasn't like he was just straight wild. And my okay. younger brother, he's four years uh, younger than me, Patrick at that time, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily wilding in that way, but it wasn't like he was up in the book of Romans every day. Either. Right. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So great, great question, man. Um, I don't know if you want me to transition now into like kind of my, my testimony. That's yeah, I'd love to hear it, man. How, what happened yeah. from wilding out, you know, party in new year's yeah. Eve to, to finding Christ. Yeah. So just to, just to break it down as well. And to clarify at that time, I was still an athlete. I was okay. on the, um, playing basketball for Alder Dice. Um, I was still a good student and I found a way to stay functional while still wilding out. Um, one of the things I didn't really touch on was, um, my dad, I want to get to this right before the testimony. When I was in, um, six, the summer before sixth grade, my dad moved to Hawaii. So that's one of the Mm. things that church in the South Hills would, um, have people often do 
would be they would want to it sounded good like we're going to start up a new church plant okay um but because he didn't have custody of his kids and the tension was starting to grow between my mother and my father he got remarried and they were like hey we want you to help plant this church in Hawaii. Wow. My dad's a teacher and they were like, Hey, you'll be like in charge of the school. You'll be like the, the one running the school and whatnot out there. Um, and I think for him, it was just like, man, my wife wants to go. It sounds like a good option. I'm serving the Lord. And he bounced hmm. and it was very devastating. How old were you? Uh, I was 10. Okay. Um, so I, cried my eyes out i would beg and pleaded for him to to stay and he still he still left um he would still call each week so it's not one of those situations where it was like totally abandoning yeah, yeah. And, and not wanting anything to do with his kids but as far as like presence it would be you know summers most summers he would come back or a few summers i went out there and my brothers would would try to see him so it was difficult um those are some very important, formidable years. I've seen um, some articles since then that talk about like between the ages, I think it's like 11 to 15 or some of the most important years for a father to be involved in their son's life because uh, the, at that age where you're developing your sense of uh, right and wrong and you're trying to fit in and you're, growing, you're going through uh, hormonal changes and things like that. I love my dad, but he left when I was 10. Sobbing by my pillow, I wept and cried again. I watched my dad. Depressive episodes um, after that, sixth grade. And then I remember later on in middle school in eighth grade, uh, ninth. And even throughout high school, I had some, some different depressive episodes where I was feeling suicidal, where mm. my anxiety was through the roof. Um, and really couldn't sleep or couldn't function well. Couldn't have enjoyment in life. Um, how old are so, you? How old am I now? Or no, how old were you then when this was happening? Um, well, around like 13. Okay. Like between, and it would be like, I would have like a bad week or so, and then I would be more normal. Like you would never know. Like you Snap wouldn't see me and be like, yeah, it, it, once I was able to, to get some sleep and I was able to just kind of reset. Mm -hmm. um, but I would have- taken any medications? Yeah, okay. that's I was. And it was it was like cyclical episodes. It would almost be like I would fear it coming on and then like I couldn't sleep one night, I couldn't sleep the next night, and I'd be like, Man, I'm back in this this funk yep. and I can't get out of it. And it was like it was like mental torture inside my mind because I was like, How did I get myself in this now? And now I can't function properly. One of the biggest things was not being able to remember things I normally could remember mm. or pay attention. It was very hard to like pay attention and keep my train of thought with everything. Wow. Um, yeah. Another thing with that was wild was it was like the, the enemy used a lot of um, comparison, which I think mm. could be very dangerous. Sure. So I would like, I would be in these states and I'd be like, man, I can't believe this dude can remember this and this. I can't believe they're like able to sleep at night. I can't believe this dude is not depressed. And it would like really eat me up. When I go through tough times, I'm learning to lean on the Father and tell Him everything that I'm going through instead of trying to do everything in my own strength. Psalm 55:22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. Sustain you. I'm a strength coach. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is because as we transition into some of my music and some of the albums, I think it'll help the listeners and the viewers get a better understanding of why I feel like I have what well, like God has called me to a certain um, lane in doing yeah. music. Mm -hmm. And part of that is why you see a theme of suffering mm -hmm. as part of some of the stuff that I've gone through in my life that has kind of, that, and God has brought me out to then help minister to others. areas is with depression which i know is very very common mm -hmm. um and back when i was experiencing it 
it wasn't like it was okay to talk about it or admit it or, or like it was like taboo. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And I think as a society, we've gotten a little bit better at it, but it's still not where it needs to be. Like, you know, if you see someone who's bugging out and you might be like, oh, that dude is crazy. And like, that's a real derogatory term. It's very common, but it's like, man, that dude actually might have some chemical imbalances. Yeah, yeah. But we shouldn't panic attack or something. Yeah, like we shouldn't label him as that. Like I even saw recently, we don't have to get into all this too much, but like with Kanye, he had a little breakdown and all of a sudden, oh man, he's crazy. He's like this and this. And, yeah. and, and everyone's trying to judge um, that person because of, of the, the mental health and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, the Lord was gracious to, to help bring me out of that. And, and I th- like as a believer, um, I've o- I haven't had an episode like that in over 15 years now. Oh, that's great, man. I've, I've gotten depressed. I've cried. I've been down in the dumps, but I haven't had a, a period where it was just like straight insomnia, yeah. straight, can't enjoy anything. And, feeling suicidal like that that it's yeah. been a while that's good and man so yeah so the transition basically what happened is i i went to college at the university of delaware okay um i wanted to go to a school where it was it was somewhat close to where my mom moved my mom moved to virginia okay when i was a senior so i ended up staying with uh friends my senior year i stayed with the guy named rob who used to babysit us and i stayed with mike language oh yeah um yeah, my from Deadly Scribes parts of speech, the the last semester of my senior year at Alderdice. But yeah, I went to Delaware, um, and right before that, my brother and I, T- Tim and I, we went to Hawaii okay. to visit my dad. And this is right before nine eleven. Okay, so this is uh, the summer of two thousand and one, and Tim was still wilding out. And I remember my dad was defending the faith to Tim. Mm. Cause he was, he was bringing up stuff about like evolution. The Bible's not real. And my dad was just like, bam, he had an answer. Bam. He had a, he had a good answer. And at that time, and I say it in a few of my songs, I was a nominal Christian. Okay. So here and there, I would go to church in Pittsburgh and high school. I went to a church, um, right off of, uh, it was on Murray Ave and, um, the Presbyterian church, I think it was called six Presbyterian. And it was, it wasn't, PCA, it was PCUSA. Yeah, I know. So if you know anything yep. about that, mm-hmm. um, not to, you know, not to try to, you know, try to offend anyone, but their doctrine isn't the best. And they have like woman pastors yep. or um, homosexual pastors, like stuff like that. Yep. And so um, Mr. Rogers used to go there, by the way, which is okay. Dope. He's a dope dude. Uh, yeah. So I would still like go there like maybe once a month, but I was still wiling out. You know, it was just kind of to make myself feel good, I would go there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you weren't an unbeliever like Tim. Um, yeah, that, that one is hard. It, it's like, I wasn't, um, verbally rejecting Christ, but I think I was actionally, I don't know if that's a word, but like through my actions, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't bearing fruit. So you weren't um, born again, but you had a nominal faith. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. I don't think I was born again. Um, and then yeah, so so my dad's defending the faith to my brother, and then basically what happens is he was dating a girl, and she's she was like, man, I want to start going to church, hmm. and they were uh, she was going to a church in West Philly, kind of prosperity gospel type okay. church, and um, my brother's like, yeah, I'll go there, um, I'll go with you. She doesn't show up, so he takes the trolley there. She doesn't show up, and like he gets saved. Like he <laughs> repents and believes at a prosperity gospel Yo, type. It's great, man. Right. So he, he calls me and I didn't even have a cell phone at the time. I just had um, a landline. He calls me in my dorm and he's like, yo man, like look what, ha-, you know, I want to tell you what happened to me. And I've been reading the Bible and all this. And now shortly after that, he was introduced to Aaron Campbell, who I think helped introduce him to shy and sorry if I don't have the exact order. Right. Um, so shy started discipling him around that time, like late 2001, early 2002. Okay. And at, so I would go to Philly and link up with my brother, link up with shy. And then eventually there was a lot of concerts up there with like Jason Silas, R. Swift, yeah. the cross oh, yeah. movement, 
redeemed thought, all those guys. Um, and during that time, and this is where, you know, getting into the kind of the meat and potatoes of my testimony, I was inspired by Tim being like, man, I've been reading the Bible a lot because before that, remember I was just really peeping the picks <laughs> or I had a do- our daily bread, yeah. which I would like read before bed really quick. Like but inspiration. I wasn't, like, yeah. I wasn't diving in deep in the word and actually, um, you know, really, really digesting God's truth. Yeah. So during that freshman year of college, um, I read the entire Bible from front to back. Nice. How long? Sometimes uh, it was a little over a year, actually. It was maybe about 15 months. And I won't lie. I would read the Bible just as like a checklist thing sometimes and then go out and get drunk. Yep. Like, like that, that false, that first semester in college, I would regularly do that. I'm like, all right, I got to get it in. But then I would go wild out. Right. Um, and, I, and I think there's something to that where not to endorse that. I'm, I'm not endorsing that, but I'm just saying like, if anyone is out there watching or listening and they're struggling, like don't stop getting in God's word because you're up. struggling. Don't give up because the devil will want to tell you like, Hey, look what you did last night. Look what you did. Look at how evil you are. Look what your thoughts are. So you shouldn't read at all. And I'm not, and by no means am I uh, being a proponent of living a double life because right. we, we, you obviously shouldn't be doing that. But I think there's something to be said of like the enemy wants you to stop praying and stop reading. Yeah, no doubt. And I've always been a big believer of like, stay persistent with those disciplines. Um, and, and, and the Lord is going to, he's going to bless it, you know, like yeah, in different areas in your life. So, Towards do you the, think you were born again from going through the the whole Bible? Yeah. When, when do you think yeah. it happened? Do you know? I think it was like late in 2001. Okay. I think it was like, and, and then um, see, learning about grace, mm. I think is really what did it, is learning about grace. Because before then, I thought like Old Testament believers were like saved yeah. just through works and New Testament was saved by faith. And I think really understanding, you know, save, you know, saved by grace through faith was, was kind of like the uh, turning point for okay. me. Um, and, and I found some fellowship. It was okay. like late cause I was going to a one as Pentecostal church. Oh man. And it you wasn't until, didn't know like, the difference, right? Early on. You don't know. No, I, had, yeah. I had no idea. Bro. Right. And that's another thing. Like my brother, he got saved at a faulty prosperity church. Right. Like I was going to a one as Pentecostal church. Right. But as much as it is whack, you know, with the doctrine, the I feel like the Lord uses different places like that. Like in the Bible, like he even he speak he could speak through a donkey. Yeah. yeah. Um and so Well in Philippians, is, Paul says, you know, some preach Christ out of wrong motives, but he says, I don't care because as long as Christ is preached that's all that matters. And so these guys don't have wrong, right motives. They're not, you know, in a sense, preachers of righteousness, but, but God's going to yeah. use them. And Paul's happy as long as Christ is preached. You don't care. Yeah. Not to say we shouldn't be on guard against false teaching. I'm not saying that either. Right. Right. No doubt. Exactly. And, and neither am I. Yeah. yeah. Neither am I. I'm just saying it's interesting how the Lord can use, he's sovereign over yeah, stuff man. that's even faulty teaching. Yeah. Um, so, so going along, yeah, I found some fellowship after that, like some solid fellowship. There was a Bible study at the University of Delaware called the Warriors for Christ. Nice. And I got involved with that. Uh, I started helping to lead. Um, and that's, I, I think that was really key for me was finding some good fellowship. And then from there, I found a decent church called All Nations Fellowship, which is okay. basically a, a multi-ethnic church plant that was, it actually had reformed doctrine. Okay. Um, you remember what denomination so that, or was it independent? I think it was, um, I think it was independent, but the, the pastor who pastored that, I think he was, came from a, like a PCA background. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so from there, man, I was, it was just, you know, steady in the word and, um, steady in fellowship Mm -hmm. and helping to learning how to kill sin, which is still, I mean, still a battle even now. Yes, sir. many different voices daily but it's only being led by god's word in the spirit's resurrection power that enables the flesh to not rule over our hearts who really loves me is the question that i ask these are my thoughts as i wrestle with my past since a young age i've struggled with abandonment product of divorce i guess that these are all the damages 
And I started rhyming then. Mm. So in high school, I would freestyle a lot, like at parties. Like I would be drunk and me and my friends would freestyle. Here and there, I'd write stuff. But in college, I started writing stuff throughout. But I was like, it was like a secret. It was like hidden. Like no one really knew that I spit. Um, and then around like 2003, 2004, I started sharing some of my writings mm. with the apologist from Christ Central. Okay, yep. And he was like, yo, man, you got some skills, bro. You got some skills. Like, you got to keep spitting, you know, keep spitting, bro. And so I was like, all right, bet. So that gave me some confidence. So I was like, okay, this doesn't have to quite be a secret anymore. And I had been practicing my rhymes, practicing my rhymes. And then I remember it was, uh, I want to think it was the summer of 04. There used to be different cafes in Philly. Okay. And a cafe was like uh, an event at a church at night where there was the band and they would, you know, they would play some songs, but it was pretty much like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. So I signed up for it and I did a spoken word acapella and or I should say acapella. It was just no beat. Gotcha. It wasn't spoken word style and the crowd went nuts. And I kid you not, I don't know if I've ever had a better reaction <laughs> from a performance than that open mic because like people had seen me at the cafes they knew who i was many people knew i was uh tim's brother but they didn't know i could spit so they're yeah. like oh snap this dude could spit uh so anyways that really um gave me like a confirmation and confidence and was you know spitting from then on that's 2004 so that's been 16 years Wow. Um, by God's grace for the Lord's glory. That's After great. that, I went on a missions trip to South Africa and I was like, just, we were, we were out there spitting almost every day. Nice. Um, so like a mission, like missions trip. Yeah. Well, it was just a, um, sorry, I got it. Um, it's all good. Decline something. Am I back? Yeah. Yeah. You're back. That's, that's, that's the zoom for you. Someone yeah, man. That's, still that, calling. that's that iPhone <laughs> zoom life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when, uh, so when did you start writing the what I believe? Was it at, at this time you started collecting rhymes for that? Or are you just like right, doing shows? Yeah, great, great question. I was mainly just doing shows around okay. oh, late 05 was when I started doing um, probably writing for what I believe because there okay. was a song, um, Why Boast? And this was back for all the, the cats who remember back on MySpace. One of the first oh, yeah, jams I dropped space. was called Why Boast. It was over a Mob Deep beat. Nice. And um, over the quiet storm beat, actually, why boast in part one? Um, and then the apologist, he he let me be on city Christ centric city of God. And I remember that, yeah, six. Yep, I think that was the first release I was ever on. Gotcha, was actually that. And then from there, um, I had to pull it out of the archives. I got these all like I got a, a copy of each at the crib. Oh, yeah, man, there it is. What I believe. Yeah, and so just just to give the viewers like a context of this on stage, I'm chilling, and then this is supposed to be like a lot of boastful rappers up there. Sitting home at night, what should I write? The moon's bright, the sky's dark, the heart's dark. No one's in sight. The stars just gaze. I had the hardest day, but I'm a warrior like Tim Hardaway. Hell's hotter than hot coals. Roads got mad potholes, giving you the antidote. God, what's crazy is that this actually looks like the building at uh, Christ Liberation Fellowship. Um, it looks like where First Friday Fundamentals used to be, which is I where I was heavily influenced. Have you, have you been before? So is that the same spot that Shy did his Solus Christus release party? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, it was dope. It was crazy. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, the, so what I, was it? The Vessels of Mercy would play and then... Yeah, because they were playing for that event too, and it was basically live. It was it was dope. Yeah, yeah. So and that's how it looked. You know what I'm saying? And so um, that that cover is basically like, hey, I'm just observing because for a while I was sitting, I was chilling in the cut, watching these MCs do their thing, and then that was it. Could be seen as like double meaning, like there's a bunch of rappers boasting, but it could also be like these these dudes are Christian now. You know gotcha. what I'm saying? So it was kind of like a, yeah. a dual thing, how you wanted to interpret that. But yeah, that was the, what I believe. I don't know if you want to get into the discography now. Yeah, we can. I'm curious. Like, so your brother comes out with uh, The Great Awakening in 2003. 
right. and that's when I met him. And I don't, I don't remember if you were at the Pittsburgh shine with him when he came up here with essence and, and basically released the album publicly here in Pittsburgh and the deadly scribes yeah. were there. Were you here for that? I think it was, um, was that when it was Bobby Bishop was out there too? No, no that, that was later. Show? So this, this okay, was at no, Mr. Small's theater. Um, yeah. it was a bunch of Pittsburgh cats and he was like the headliner. And okay, Essence so. was on the turntables. He brought his turntables up and set up. Anyway, that was yeah. the, the night I met them both. And, uh, you know, at the time I was buying CDs in bulk and selling them at, at hip hop yeah. events here. So I bought a bunch of CDs off Tim, traded him some shirts for uh, some some CDs. And then he was hit, hitting my book up. He used to write Armor, right? Yeah, Armor. Yeah, yeah Stress and then Armor, yeah. Yeah, so so he's doing throwies in my, my sketchbook. And I put it all away and he's like, yo, this is all Tim, right? Yo, I have a desire to do another throwy. Can I see your book? <laughs> yeah, that yo, so I was like, like sure, man, here. So yeah, man. So what was it like to be kind of, you know, you're coming out after Tim comes out with this album that I think shocked a lot of people. I don't think people, at least me, I didn't realize that people could do multiple syllable rhyme schemes and be like that underground New York like paying attention to lyricism with like East coast underground sounding boom bat beats, but yet be very scripturally sound and, and be gospel centered. Like no one did that in my opinion, not even cross movement did that before Tim. What was that like for you, man? Like, cause you had to witness the production of that and that had to inspire yeah. you or did it not inspire you? Did it intimidate you? Yeah. Great question. I, I think it inspired me, man. Um, I love that album. I love the great awakening. Album. I still love it. Yeah, me too. I think it's still my favorite of, of his albums. Um, I was very excited when that came out. Like I was in the front row, like getting rowdy and getting hype. I remember back in the day, it was um, hip hop zone. Yeah. Um, and I was like telling everyone about it and telling everyone to go, you know, peep his songs and whatnot. Um, so I, I was a huge advocate and a huge proponent for people to go listen. And I was super blessed by it. I agree. Um, it was a very influential album. I think it shifted the culture in, in a different direction. Like I hear people testimonies all the time and people being like, man, I didn't know there was hip hop like that until I heard that album or I, or I heard uh Solus Christus or yeah. killing sin and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then when I started putting out stuff, I think, the way I came up with the name Believe in Steven is from a line from Evangel. He, he said, um, I was actually searching for a name, a username for Hip Hop Zone. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't know, Hip Hop Zone was like the forum. Yeah. It was the spot. Like, yeah. to be real, no one went on Hip Hop Zone to read articles or reviews because it was super outdated. Like, it would be like two years since they had a, a recent article up. <laughs> But the forum was popping. Like, that's where you would learn about whoever yeah. in the Christian hip hop scene. That's where you would learn about the shows. It was like a whole community. So I was trying to find my name for that. And I was like, man, I was listening to a song by Evangel from Christ Centric. And he was like, we believe in like Steven, even if we get in stone to death. And I was like, yo, that's kind of dope. My name's Steven, but I'm believing. So believe in Steven. Yeah. Um, and I stuck with that. And part of that was like on purpose. Cause I stuck with that from hip hop zone, but I considered like, man, what if I just, should I just like say Steven Brindle? But part of me, to be honest with you, I don't know if I've said this in many interviews, but I didn't want to people be like, yo, I'm going to listen to him just because he's this guy's brother. There's right. people to this day that still don't know that me and Timothy are related. That's cool. They'll be like, Oh snap, you guys are brother. I didn't <laughs> know that. Like I've heard all your albums and they just, they never put it together. Yeah. I like, that. um, yeah. So I think now I'm like a lot more comfortable and secure in like my own abilities. And like, I don't feel like I'm in the shadows as right, much, right. but around that time, like when, when, when the, what I believe first came out, I did feel like that. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think over the last several years, I haven't felt that much or, or those comparisons, but early on it was like, it was tough to try to live up to that uh right. in one of the songs blood brothers i said we brought we blood brothers like peyton and eli and like he he was peyton and, and i was more eli manning <laughs> now if for those that don't know eli manning has two super bowl rings so there you go he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not that whack so that, that's yeah. how i like to 
to keep it is like, okay, yeah, Timothy is definitely an incredible beast and many consider him in like the top five. Um, and I, I like to think that God has given me some skills as well. Yeah, man. But, no doubt. Yeah. And you're still producing music. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the suffering servant, man. You were, this is your theme. You said that, you know, you, you feel like you have a lane to reach out to those hurting. Um, and for a lot of this album, you wrote it in Pittsburgh. That's correct. Yeah. I wrote it. For those that don't know, I, I wrote some of it while I was living with you. That's right. Ball. I remember, man, you were in the basement. Ball's Your ball. bed was over in the, <laughs> in the back left. I'd come down, you'd have D.A. Carson and R.C. Sproul and the Bible laid out <laughs> <and your> rhyme book. <laughs> yeah, man, it was dope. I'd be like, oh, yeah. let's hear it. And you'd, yeah, you'd share a rhyme. Yeah. I got to hear that album before it came out. True. And you're yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yep. Petty story. The video is fresh. Um, yeah, so... In 2009, I put out a mix, a free mixtape called the Perseverance mixtape. Mm-hmm. But and on there, I said the Suffering Servant album is coming soon. I, the Lord had given me that vision for that album around then, like 08, 09. And um, one of my favorite passages of scriptures in Second Corinthians one, around verses like three through five, if I remember right, and it talks about just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so is the comfort of Christ mm-hmm. ours in abundance, so that you can go and comfort others with the same comfort with which you've received. Yeah. And so when I first started rhyming for the Lord around Oh four, I remember uh, hearing Christian hip hop and being like, okay, yeah, this is dope. This is dope. They're bragging on the Lord. They're bragging on the Lord. But it seems like, like every day is like they're having this great day and they just wake Mm. up out of bed, just ready to worship. I don't feel like that. I have days where I'm doubting. I have days where I'm not trusting, where I'm falling in sin, where I'm feeling discouraged, where I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? Instead of complaining about this on Hip Hop Zone, why don't I do something about it and make music that could reach people who are hurting, suffering, and in pain? Because scripture talks a lot about it. I'm in the paralysis of analysis Like how was the gods allowing this? Losing my grip from the calluses I know my thoughts are cowardice It's so realistic, I kinda so fit real. like I'm losing sanity Yelling all is vanity I shake my head and pound my fist I'm aware that I am finite My limitations are clear I'm desiring to steer When tribulations appear Should be giving God the wheel When situations not clear Feel like I am getting scared With intimidation and fear I've suffered pain and misery I am afraid it's killing me With all this negativity It feels like Satan's tricking me Behaving in iniquity And the more I saw it in scripture, the more I was inspired to write about it. And then, as you know, from even living with you, I was gathering other resources and other books to learn as much Mm -hmm. as I could about the topic to be able to give a good amount of like to have informative lyrics, educational lyrics, as well as try to be clever at the same time. Yeah. And so that's kind of where how the suffering servant came about and, and I wanted to talk about some of my own suffering from my past. Like I have a song called my life story, a song yeah. called suicide, but then there's other songs that are really just talking about how God is sovereign over suffering. Um, I think that's even the title of, 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 of one of those songs. God is sovereign over suffering. Um, and also just how Christ suffered. Yeah, no one suffered. No one suffered like he suffered. And also just to be able to reach other people in their pain in a song called Christ Can Relate. And you're bringing back memories, man, because I haven't listened to some of these in years. But it talks about like um, a woman in a wheelchair, yeah. you know, someone who lost their father. 
So yeah, man, it's uh, an album that I think a, a lot of people um, tell me that that's their favorite album of mine. I think when I listened back, a lot of it had to do with the theological depth and organization of it. Mm. Um, I think some of the newer albums are better sonically, to gotcha. be honest, with the flows and cadences. Um, but that album, I think, blessed a lot of people due to the theological depth. Yeah. People have told me uh, I got the that album on repeat. You know, when they're suffering and hurting, that's that's the wow. album they were listening to, The Suffering Servant, over and over, just on repeat. You know, I've, I, I remember people saying that, like, yeah, it's, it's wow. helped me so much. Yeah. So I, I think you should be encouraged, man. There's probably a lot of stories out there that you haven't heard. That's crazy. Yeah. And and the beautiful thing about digital is, you know, you put the stuff out there on YouTube or, or all these digital sites like Bandcamp. You just never know, man, who's yeah. going to come across it. So mm-hmm. even though it's a long time ago for you, a decade plus time ago, uh, it still is probably yeah. blessing people. Here's a little story that must be told unfolding grace and boldness before it turns cold. Along with six others, this brother was one of the first deacons. Yes, I am referring to Stephen. That's my nice. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, Lord willing, I hope so. I mean, from there I went on, if, if, if I should go on. Battling with, Unbelief. Um, yeah, yeah, then I, I put out Battling Unbelief. Um, if I remember right off the top of my head, it's scriptures, Mark 29. It's like, hey, I, I do believe, please help my unbelief. Yeah, man, yep. And I know as a believer, I've wrestled with when, I just heard a really good sermon actually on contentment from okay. uh my pastor, Brian Davis at Risen Christ Fellowship, but there's a song on there uh, called Battle for Contentment. Mm. So I don't know if you could drop the link after the podcast, Absolutely. but there's a, there's a video for that as well. And I talk about that, like not being on lamp mode and, and sometimes feeling like um, going to a show and all they know is I was the bro of Timothy Brindle laughed at. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> kind of like it was copyright made that beat, which is, he's a beast, man, on that beat. Copyright on the beat. Huh? These are some things I wrestle with as I strive for contentment as an artist. Can I be honest? Give you transparency. These are things I battle with as I share with them. See, I'm an indie rapper in a small market. I admit I saw a hardship. Famous benefactor. I'm in a different chapter. It used to be I go to shows, all they know is from the bros of Timothy Brindle laughter. He put our great awakening in 2003. I was writing on the low beside it. Um, yeah, so Battle of Belief, talk about how there's this, uh, as believers, there's like this internal battle that often goes on where we, we do believe, but there's this unbelief kind of nagging at us. And there's a song called Mind Wars that I think helps uh, embody this and, and flesh this out with me and Dayton, where... You know, I'm kind of like all the doubt and the worry and the evil one. And he's reminding me of scripture and encouraging me. And I think that's real, man. Like, I I don't, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and it's like a devil on this shoulder, an angel on this shoulder. It's like, I don't know if it's quite like that, but there's definitely a battle of the flesh and the spirit um, for sure. And as believers, we still go through that. So that's basically the premise of the concept of uh, battling unbelief. And I think on that album, I started to branch out into uh, not as much being boxed into like an underground rapper sound Okay, where I started rapping over like some beats like from Big Juice and producers like that, where I was starting to experiment with a little bit more different sounds. Um, Same on that. Was that weird for you? Like getting out of your comfort zone? I liked it, actually. I kind of I kind of liked it. I, I put out a mix right before that. I skipped over something. It's called the preseason mixtape. It was a free mixtape. I remember that. Yeah. In 2012. Well, back in the Berg actually wasn't on that. Okay. Back on the Berg was basically, I wrote that the fall of 2010. So about mm-hmm. 10 years ago, because mm-hmm. I moved, I moved to pit. I moved back to the Berg from Philly in 2010 or 2009 for a job at the university of Pittsburgh. So it was, right. it was the fall of 2009. I wrote that jam. And then the video came out. You were in the video. Mm-hmm. We shot that video, uh, I believe, March of 2010. But I wrote I that. No, it was cold. Was, we all had coats on. <laughs> yeah. It was snowy. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was snowy. It was be, I was discouraged about like, man, I'm going back. To, I used to live in the Berg, and now I go back. 
and cats are doing the same thing, like mm-hmm. the same. This cats cats are still smoking bowls. Cats are still partying until five a.m. And I was like discouraged by it, and that's when same I wrote exact that people gym. too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that jam was actually not on any project, but okay. the rowdy the rowdy anthem that Calm One, our host, <laughs> he was on that jam with yeah, uh, man. And my and my brother, that that's a rowdy jam. <laughs> nice. Can they still get that mixtape and the and the previous one? Yeah, I have to get the link for that. I think I have it on my Bandcamp. I think okay. I have everything on my Bandcamp to okay. make it easy because it was on that Piff. And I think it's still on there, but that was the main. Um, the I think the main site that can get that is is the Bandcamp. We'll try to get that in the link. Yeah, man. Because a lot of those mixtape jams, that's where the raw like just skills oh, yeah. come out because you're more comfortable. You don't feel like it's got to be polished. It's not an album. Uh, so I, people can't be sleeping on the mixtapes, man. Yeah, I agree. There's some people whose favorite thing ever for me, not as much the preseason. And I agree. I think that the perseverance is some of uh, some people will tell me that's the their favorite one of anything yeah. they like. They, they is had that, that the one Da Horton was on. Yeah. Yeah, that, whole, that song is that. dope, man. Me. That song is crazy. Repeat Rhymes Part 1 is on there. Yeah. God is Diesel. That's one of my, my hey, you used to do there. those at live shows out here, I remember. Yeah, I still do God is Diesel sometimes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep, I, I, I still do that one. Uh, so, yeah, Transition, Battle Number Leaf. From there, there was like a little bit of a, of a gap as far as years-wise. I started working on Glory Thieves around 2010 one thing that happens with me sometimes when i put out a project is there's so much that goes into it um from from studying material and most of my albums you make a good point on the on the mixtapes i kind of feel more free to just i could just rap about wherever personality comes out and that type of stuff whereas on the albums it's like man i gotta follow the theme of this album and it has to have a certain train and and flow of thought um organization and Mm -hmm. structure and I, I'm big. I'm a big fan of concept albums. Yeah, yeah. And so after the album comes out, I'm like, man, just the whole process of doing it independently, which I think you could relate to, because you're the one sending off. You're the one going to the studio, paying for the studio time, paying for the mixes, coming back, listening to the mixes, yep. getting the artwork done for the album, getting the artwork done for the singles, yep. sending it to the websites, putting out a single, paying for the video, shooting the video, putting out the video, and then it's like, whoa. Yeah, man. Creating a label called Game Time. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's like, hey, I could just chill chill now. Um, And that's where I'll I'll get into the newest project. But in 2019, I put out, uh, a year ago, I put out the Glory Thieves. You can see the poster in the back. I think I got one of those. Just so people can see, get a little visual. Suffering Servant. It's dope. Uh, battling unbelief and i have the glory thieves around here somewhere um i just wanted to show show those who are viewing i'm the accuser of the brethren think you dudes will get to heaven it is futile to be stepping can't be shooting me with weapons nah. got truth i'll be the testing and maneuvering and tempting these fools who lack direction with these numerous yeah you and i are old school man we still like the little cds the physical actual music oh, yeah. pop in a cd player yeah, it's still it's still my preference. I mean, I, I I won't. I have to admit, I've kind of given in, and I got an Apple Music account about a year ago. Nice, and it is convenient to oh, just no listen doubt. on the yeah. The I Bluetooth do Amazon and listen music. To it's so easy to just type in, boom, it's all there. Yeah, right. But I still, I still, from time to time, I got to play the CD. Nice. Yeah. So Gl- Glory Thieves came about um, in like I said in two thousand four. I put out Why Boast Part One or. 2005 i put out why both part one and that, that was on what i believe in 2007 and that theme throughout scripture as far as like let another praise you and not your own mouth yeah. Oh, yeah. and um whatever you do do unto the glory of god um and you know the lord he talks about staying uh you know staying humble and, and not not boasting in self mm-hmm. and um let you know humble yourself and the lord will exalt you at the proper Mm -hmm. time things like that Mm -hmm. and so i was noticing i was like man there's like a kind of a shift here where all of a sudden it seems like it's cool to say like you're killing it and you're better than everyone else and destroying these other rappers and you'll eat these other rappers and other rappers are whack and it was getting to be out of hand because i think there's something to be said where sometimes you're like yeah if i said like i'm flipping schemes like it's like you're just kind of saying you're having fun with it and you're 
you know, God's given you a gift. It's a little bit different when you're talking about how whack everyone else is and how you're the greatest or you're the best. And you're just straight boasting to be real. And scripture opposes that. Um, God gives grace to the humble, but opposes the proud. I mean, scripture is in direct opposition to that. And I was like, this seems like it's being widely accepted. This is not cool. So that's, that's where the glory thieves album came about. Um, that was the inspiration. And thank, yeah, thanks, man. Looking back, I had a few songs where, like a song called Caesar Pain, um, where I mentioned like some of my own flaws and how I robbed God of his glory, even mm. a song called Robbers of Glory. But I, I think it is easier to notice other sins than your own. Mm. And, and I think on, on that album, if I look back and reflect, I love that album. Mm. But I just, that's just one thing I wanted to point out about that project is like i don't want to be seen as just this guy who i talked to braille one time and i was like Braille, what do you think about this guy and this guy he's like man he's like yeah i'm not feeling that i'm not feeling that but he's like i got so much stuff in my own heart that i know is jacked up that i can't obsess over trying to call everyone else Mm -hmm. out it's good advice man yeah even for your own soul so that was good advice man and i think um I think it is easy to say like this guy dropped the ball in this interview and man, look at, look, look at the way Lecrae did. It was so whack. And it's easy just to focus on that all the time and not do an internal heart check. So that being said, I do think it's, there's a time and place like I did on glory thieves where it's just like, man, enough is enough. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. John 12, 43. We all got to check our motives, man, including myself. Who's getting the glory and shine when we make music? Is it us or is it God, Joe? We love the praise of men more than the praise of God. We say we praise him but really want to break from God. Because we're depraved and flawed, our ways are wrong. You think my sayings are, but then we claim church is boring and it's way too long. But we rarely say that when the game is on. And we rarely say that about some babes and thongs. Could it be that your refusal to stand for God's glory is because you want the approval of man? Is it? And if you are to stink, you'll be losing some fans because they might not buy your product nor be choosing your brand. The world hates Christ, but the news of his plan it does. Because it loves sin and they doing their thing. Uh, they want a Christ that allows them to be straight up stuck in their sin and live how they may please. They don't want a Christ who got rowdy decrees. Nah. And they don't want a Christ that makes them bow to their knees. Nah. They want a Christ who was down with the steeds. You gotta speak up on this. Can't keep on being silent, but at the same time, we gotta examine our own souls as well because it's it's easy just to put others on blast and and not deal with your own dirt. Yeah, we sin in different ways, right? Yeah, we sin in different ways. That's what I've noticed. Is like someone else. I know some real. I know some dope believers who wrestle a lot with their tongue, and they they might cuss Mm -hmm. uh, more than you would think a believer would. And it's like I know other believers who, uh, you know, they're they they're really um staying pure and holy as far as like sexual sin but they might be a crappy friend yeah man or like they're they deal with unforgiveness or bitterness and we i feel like we have different sin issues and it's very easy for me like if i don't wrestle with cursing it's very easy for me to like hear someone like cussing and yo i can't believe oh like they're uh, tripping our boat and like yeah yeah and and i deal with with uh, other sin or like like, like lust or pride and it's like man so yeah yeah it's it's take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye or at least there you go. <laughs> there you uh, go, so brother on this album you did a, a a song called the gospel and justice and uh you made a little video for it what was the inspiration there and what were you what were you thinking at the time yeah great question so just to clarify because sometimes the way i say it and the way even you just said it it's not the gospel injustice and it's gospel and exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the premise there is with a lot of stuff that's happened in uh, America in the past seven, eight years, we've seen different um, atrocities actually where the police who are supposed to protect us have killed innocent people um, in, in many cases. And, I think what has happened in the church is you have two different camps oftentimes or two extremes that seem to come about. And one of those extremes is where 
you see these injustices taking place. And so you're, um, you're getting so upset and so consumed that that's all you ever talk about. And your identity becomes just in, in your race, the identity, your identity becomes just in, okay, fighting against the system um, and fighting against oppression that you forget about God, you forget about the gospel, you forget about his, his grace and his mercy. And then on the other hand, you have other believers who they say nothing about the injustices. They say nothing about the oppression. They say, hey, stop complaining and just preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that could be very offensive and very hurtful, especially knowing like when someone is in pain, you want to help them with that wound. You want to help them um, with your bandage. You want to help to relieve the wound. Um, you don't want to just say, Hey, just believe this. You like, if I, I think from what I see, what Jesus would do is he would address the need and preach yeah. the gospel, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. So, so I think there's a need for us to be um, concerned with the, the Bible over and over again, talks about injustice. It talks about, um, you know, having compassion towards those who are oppressed. It talks about having mercy. It talks about blessing those who are fatherless. It talks about blessing widows, widows, orphans, orphans, those in prison. Mm -hmm. And so I think we are to be compassionate. We are to have mercy, but we shouldn't forget the gospel as far as our final source of hope, as far as, um, you know, what it, that's how, I mean, the gospel is of utmost importance and Mm -hmm. we cannot neglect that. Um, but I don't, I don't think it it should be something where we just say, I just preach the gospel and everyone will be fine. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion. And in the song you, you do emphasize though, we need to preach the gospel. So it, it seemed to me to be a very balanced song where you're not taking a side there. You're not saying it's either this or this, you're saying it must be a both and, and we shouldn't like divide and come into camps and say, well, we're the, we're the justice camp and we're the gospel camp. And so we're not going to cross those lines. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think there's a line I say, uh, I'm not, sh- I'm not quite sure on how you'll receive this. I'm just saying that a balance is gospel, 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 gospel. Cause everybody needs a justice too, 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 too. It's quite clear that their focus has shifted. You changed your approach and I noticed the difference. Why when the issue is social, you're livid. But when it comes to that gospel, you are timid. I do not hear about hope and conviction. You're dope and you're Christian. I know that you're gifted. But let me ask you, who gave you the gift? Do you ever really give him any praise when you spit? Do you? I have to admit. Christian rap has failed socially. An issue should be talked about more vocally. We live in a time and an age of injustice. How do I find the lines to say I'm disgusted? Let's discuss this if you care to listen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, the the balance is needed. Thanks, man. Uh, Shout out Chris Jones, who really did his thing on the hook there. Yeah, it was dope. It was nice. Listen, brother, here's here's what I'd love to do. You have a new project coming out. Um, I'd love to do a part two to this. Um, mm-hmm. and I'd love to talk about your, your brand new project and your, and your church life, your current church life. Um, cool. can we do a, a part two? We'll release this in two parts. Would that be cool? Yeah, that's, I'm fine with that. 